Good morning, everybody. And um, I don't think I'm going to use the microphone because I usually don't have to. Um, it is okay. Um, welcome. Welcome to, uh, as we've all been told, the magical place in my home for the last 35 years. I ran from Brooklyn, New York to Aspen, Colorado uh, when I was 20 years old, landed here. I started my life here as a ski bum and uh, enjoying the life, the nightlife here. Um, after about five years here, I was approached by a new chief of police who asked me what I did for a living. I told him I was a bus driver for uh, the city of Aspen, and he said, have you ever thought about being a police officer? And I said, not really. Um, this is a community that basically has work about eight months a year at that time. So my first question was, is it steady work? Is it 12 months a year? And he said, yes. So for the first time since I was ever here, I had a job with benefits and steady pay and it was a police officer, and he asked if I could commit to uh, two years. Uh, that was overwhelming to me, but I did it anyway. And here it is almost 30 years later, and I'm still a police officer in one of the most amazing places I could ever think to do this. Um, so I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that, yeah. <laughs> That, that I, I could make that promise. I really could. So before I get going, I'm going to treat this stuff like it's a joint, look at it, pass it on, because I don't have enough for the rest for everybody. But this will be relevant in a few minutes. So um, take that and take a look at it. So as I said, um, I started my career in 1985 as a police officer. And I was so lucky that two years later, I switched to the Pickens County Sheriff's Office where I uh, began an amazing journey into, uh, as Jerry would call it, an enlightened view of law enforcement that was based on tolerance, respect, and treating people with dignity and not fucking with people for bullshit stuff and recognizing that things like the... Thank you. And recognizing things like the war on drugs were a waste of time, especially with the substance of marijuana. Um, I've said that for you, for those of you who have been here, you've seen me before, and those who haven't, uh, thanks for coming. But I've said it before, when I came here, marijuana was seen as a performance-enhancing drug for skiers. Uh, it's what we did. We would take a couple of tokes on the lift. It was beautiful. Uh, you skied um, actually better because it took a little stress out of the adventure. Uh, so it was really part of our lives, um, and it was an interesting, interesting experience for me. So I, I was brought up in this enlightened age of law enforcement. And to fast forward to 2012 now, we are looking at legalized marijuana, recreational marijuana, in Pickens County, Colorado, and it was coming down the pike in the state, and nobody really knew what to expect. I always thought it would win, and it did by 55% in our state. In Pickens County alone, it passed by 75%. Yeah. I think uh, it. I think that was probably the highest in the state, Rachel, 75%. You think anybody's higher than that? 
but um, Gunnison County was at 67 percent. So there were there was so so when it passed, I saw this coming, and I thought, what could I do to make sure this succeeds at least in Pitkin County? Because I I did have, although I had no financial stake, I had a stake through friends like Jerry and Keith and Bob and the like that I wanted to see it succeed. And I knew as a sheriff in the state of Colorado, there's 64 of us in Colorado, about 3,300 of us in the country. I knew that a lot of my brothers, sheriffs, despised this idea. They hated it. And uh, they wanted it to fail. Um, they were looking, they, they were, their arguments were based on some of the oldest arguments that we've all heard. They had no foundation whatsoever. So I had an interest on having to see this succeed. So prior to the election, I started thinking to myself about what could we do. And one of the things I thought about, wouldn't it be great if we had some kind of forum of community leaders that got together and had real open dialogue about the real problems that might come with marijuana, the pluses, the minuses how we were gonna introduce this to our community, what we could possibly get ahead of. Well, this passed, as I said, by 55% in the state of Colorado, and I took that opportunity to form what is known as the Valley Marijuana Council, and you'll see some of the brochures flying around. Um, what we worked on mostly was I got together a group of stakeholders in our community that consisted of law enforcement, schools, the Aspen Skiing Company, hospitals, dispensary owners, retailers, anyone you could think of in the business, and we sat together in a room. And I asked them, what do you think we can get ahead of? Not only so this succeeds, but my main job, my product is public safety. And what is gonna come of this that might be a threat to public safety, and what can we do to get ahead of it? So. We started tackling some ideas about uh, working with dispensary owners, and believe it or not, one of the first things that happened after legalization was we found some issues that I don't think anyone um, foresaw, one of which was one of the most interesting things that hit us right between the eyes was um, clearly it's a town of about 5,000 people uh, when people like you are not here. And it's about 20,000 people when people like you are here for Christmas time. And uh, we clearly have a big resort community with a lot of hotels. And we all know from traveling as much as we all do that when we leave a bottle of vodka or some cookies in our hotel room, a maid usually takes them home. And that's never been a problem. Well, we had a, uh, a maid, a Hispanic maid, non-English speaking woman, uh, clean out a hotel room and in it was a box of chocolates and she took it home and shared it with her five-year-old and it was an accidental ingestion of a high dose of marijuana so boom we had our first problem you know this was not seen by anybody who could ever think this way that this could happen so we immediately started uh, a program in hotels through the chamber resort association that was a program in Spanish that said to maids and, and hotel workers, don't take anything home if you don't know what it is. And so that was our, our, one of our first problems. The second problem we had was 
lookalike packaging. We had a couple of accidental ingestions from edible products that looked like Reese's peanut butter cups, Snickers bars, things like this. So we went to the dispensary owners and said, hey, can you do us a favor and take that off the shelves? You're not doing us any favors. And they did. So we all had an interest in, in public safety and success of the organization. And that's what we did a lot of work on. The other things we did was we found that, once again, people like you <laughs> would come to Aspen, buy an ounce or two of marijuana, a vaporizer, some edibles, and because this is literally can kids in a candy store, people would overbuy. They'd be here for three days and buy three ounces, and and it was it was crazy. And uh, I think a lot of people did not realize that they can't pack this stuff and get on a plane with it. When you land, you're going to be in an illegal state. Um, so we put an amnesty box at the airport. When you leave, you'll see a green box out there with a leaf on it, and that's your last chance to throw your stash away before you go home. The sheriff's deputies actually open up and clean out that box every day. So if you're looking for some decent weed, uh, you can, any uniformed deputy will be there. And, and it's funny, when we first put the box out there, it was the first one in the state, and we got a lot of exposure. And I had a flood of people asking to be the amnesty box deputy. Uh, but you know what was really funny about the whole thing is for the first three months or so, the only thing we got out of there was Starbucks cups, half-eaten sandwiches. Everyone thought it was a trash dispenser, you know, because Amnesty Box made no sense. And the airport, who uh, is run by the county, said, we said, let's put a big leaf on it. And they said, ain't happening. Well, now if you go out there, we finally got our point across, and there's a big leaf out there. And Jerry's right, about once every week, the deputy goes out there, and we get a lot of weed out of that thing. And packs vaporizers that people buy at 280 bucks a pop, use them once and put them in an amnesty box. So yeah, I, well, I, you know, I was just thinking about is there like is there like some kind of fund for broke stoners that we could donate this stuff to? Uh, <laughs> you know, even broke guys should be able to get a packs. Um, so so one of after we started this and we were dealing with these fires that were coming up, and believe it or not, in the first year and a half or two years, we had not made one single arrest for driving under the influence of marijuana in Picking County. So we realized that, yeah, maybe all the fear that people had about driving was not really the, the number one concern. Uh, we focused on now responsible use, responsible sale, and responsible storage. That's what our group went towards. And we had a lot of success with that. Uh, we started doing programs. Uh, our first program was in a room about this size, and maybe 50 p uh, parents came. We, 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 the invitation was more or less to adults and parents to get introduced to this new product. And we laid out every delivery system on a table like this. And I had friends that were in the room that had been smoking pot for 40 years, came in and saw a vapor pen had no idea what it was, saw a Pax vaporizer, no idea what it was, sodas, butters, all that stuff. And uh, it was an opportunity, we thought, for adults to look at what might be in kids' backpacks. 
And even today, three years later, it's amazing how undereducated parents are about what's going on. So our focus shifted from basically adult community to children and what we're going to do with that. And I'll get into that a bit in a minute or two. But the other program that we're, I'd like to currently see that doesn't seem to be getting as much traction as I thought, and Jeff Wurtz will maybe weigh in on this. Uh, Jeff is on our liquor board and does a lot of licensing work with liquor here in, in Aspen and marijuana. So, so um, what I'd like to see is what we have is called the TIPS program here. Every bartender in Aspen has to go to a TIPS program that recognizes over-serving, recognizes uh, when people shouldn't be driving, and uh, waves a red flag. So they go through some special training. And I don't see why bud tenders shouldn't do the same thing. I think every dispensary has an obligation to have their bud tenders be very educated, especially in the uh, when it comes to edible marijuana uh, in Pitkin County. I think they really have an obligation to educate their consumer as much as they can on what this product's going to do and the effect, the delay, how much to eat, first-time user, all that stuff. So hopefully next year when I talk to you, we will have uh, that program in place because I think that is uh, part of success of this. Now, it's funny how a lot of things we do are um, kind of pro-industry, but they're also, as I said, pro-public safety, and I think that's one of them. Last year, well, let me get into something different. Let's get into the dollars that sense of this. Um, like I said, Aspen's a town of 5,000 people. 20,000 or so when we're really booming. Last year, we did $8 million in marijuana sales. Uh, that's just a little less than liquor sales than we did last year. Um, when I found that statistic out, I started looking into it. Uh, the tax revenue from that for the city of Aspen was about $200,000. Uh, it made me start thinking. Uh, last year in the state of Colorado, uh, the way Amendment 64 reads is that the first 30 to 40, 33, uh, 33 million dollars or so in tax revenue will go towards school programs. Well, last year we collected about 90 million dollars in revenue. So we had to go, the, uh, Colorado came to the voters and said, what would you, what would, should we do with this over collection of taxes? And we voted unanimously to let the government keep it and put it towards schools. So last year, so last year when we collected $8 million in taxes in the city of Aspen and two, uh, $8 million in sales, 200000 in taxes, I started wondering where the two hundred grand is going. And it's probably going back in the general fund, which you'll buy things like flowers and police cars and pave your roads and all that stuff. So just in the last few weeks, I went to city council, and I've asked them that I think they should allocate a big chunk of that $200,000 towards uh, child education. We should be putting a program, dare sucks, uh, just say no blows. Uh, all, the, all these programs really are not effective on kids. And right now we do have a fear program in our schools that I think is horrible. So um, I'd like to see that money reallocated towards a program that makes sense for kids and parents on education. I really believe a kid is not the problem. It's the parent. When kids are getting stoned at school, 
uh, it's usually weed out of their parent's sock drawer. It's uh, not tapping from dispensaries. It might be black market stuff, but most of what they're getting is from their parents. So a lot of this program really should be geared on, um, on what we're going to do with parents and how they're going to educate their children. So hopefully by next year, um, I'll have a report for you on how that's going. Are we good, Lauren? Uh, five minutes? Okay. Then I'm going to really make this quick. Let's work on our current issues. Our current issues in Pickens County, the fear of an edible product with children. Recently, our Board of County Commissioners has asked this Valley Marijuana Council to look into edible products. As I said, we had 170,000 individual sales. We had 23 hospital admissions on uh, for uh, edible marijuana. Doesn't really seem like a large problem to me, but I think it's something that the anti-marijuana people are going to latch on to and say, this is, the, this is the problem. They can't pin anything on flour or smoking, so they got to grab something, and right now they're grabbing on to edible marijuana. So for those communities that are on the advent of this, I'm telling you, that's coming your way. Have a good program for that. A minimum do uh, I'd like to see a minimum dose at about two and a half milligrams. I wish that's something we could do, but uh, I don't know where that's going. So, because uh, I'm about to get the hook, I'm going to tell you one more thing um, that I think is important in Picking County and your clubs, uh, or in your towns, is smoking clubs. Uh, in 1987 or so, uh, Aspen Mountain had no snowboarding. You couldn't snowboard in Pickin County. Uh, so if you came here in 1987 and some ski shop owner sold you a snowboard, you'd walk out with a $1,000 setup, but no place to use it. So right now in Aspen, Colorado, you could walk in and buy an ounce of marijuana and all the fixings to go with it, but there's really no place for you to use it if you're staying in this hotel. Can't smoke in your room, Colorado Free Air Act. Um, can't smoke in public, it's illegal. There are no clubs. So I think a place to give people a chance to smoke this will serve two purposes. It will give them a legal place for use, and it'll give the club owner and bud tender a chance to truly educate people on the product and proper use, therefore more success for everybody. Uh, as I've always told our 64 sheriffs, is that, guys, this is here. It passed. It's over. Get used to it. Now you're going to have to find a responsible way to, you, to uh, have this in your communities. And that's kind of going on deaf ears. Last week I was at a sheriff's conference. There's 64 sheriffs. 60 of them in the room firmly believes that they're going to get this reversed. They are going to work hard with our neighbors who are suing us, Nebraska suing us, Wyoming suing us. These guys think that they're going to overturn this. So they're still going for the fight. They're not going for how could we live with this. And I keep telling them you're going to have to live with it because it's not going anywhere. In fact, it's spreading. Um, so in closing, what I'd like to see Normal start doing, and every year I challenge Keith to something new, is I think Normal and the people in this room have to start working on what are we going to do about all the people who are incarcerated in my state for uh, marijuana use. What are we, and there's a lot of them, and they're mostly for possession, nonviolent crimes. 
So I think that's something that could be the next thing. And I could go on for a couple of hours, so I'm not going to. So if there's time for a question or two, Lauren, I'll take them. If not, I'm going to pass it on to our next speaker.